0: I think these might, in fact, be the hottest of the hot mess times I have ever experienced in my life. It is unbelievable. 210,000 COVID deaths, economic downturn, people out of work, sheltered in their homes, and then the White House. Oh my goodness, this text was selected last June and quite honestly, getting ready for today, I almost changed it. But I thought in this time of lawlessness, in this time of crazy town, maybe these 10 commandments have a word for us today. Maybe they're about 10 commandments to love. So first I just wanna say, because all of our Jewish friends know that, that this 10 commandments is a big redaction of the 613 laws God gave God's people when they got to Mount Sinai. 613. I mean, they did not all fit on a tablet, let's just be honest. There were laws about how to take care of each other, how to be in familial relationships. There were laws about what kind of crops to grow and how not to mix them. Laws about Sabbath and how to care for God and how to study the Torah. Laws about signs and symbols. There were laws about Agriculture, there were laws about animal husbandry. There were laws about bulls. Yes, there were laws about what happens when your bull gores somebody. Now, if your bull gores somebody, you know, the, guilt, the, the, the bull gets killed and the dead bull will be split in half among the families. That's unless your bull was a regular gorer. If he was always goring people, Yeah, the punishment is steeper. I mean, there were laws about that. There were laws about how to treat the Gentiles, how to treat the stranger, how to be in your family, how to make sure that you don't have inappropriate relationships in your family. The way to avoid that, the law said, was not to wink or skip with your cousins. Therefore, you won't be tempted to, you know, go further with them. I'm making fun, but this was a serious bunch of laws given to a people. So they they would relate to each other in a way that was loving and compassionate, in a way that reflected the relationship that God had with them and for them. These 613 laws were about how to be a loving, faithful community. But that was wonky, that was big. So the first 10 became the Decalogue. The first 10 became the 10 Commandments. And these are the ones that God read today by my beautiful staff. I am God, do not put another God ahead of me. Do not make a graven image. Do not pretend that something else is your God, not your money, not your stuff, not your work. Um, do, Do not misuse my name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I rested, you should rest as well. And that's a way for you to honor me. Honor your mother and your father, speaking of honoring, so your days might be longer. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Don't bear false witness, don't lie, don't lie on your neighbor. Don't covet your neighbor's house. Don't don't lust after, yearn for your neighbor's house or wife or servants or donkeys or anything. These are the laws God gave God's people so they could live in wellness and wholeness and community together. And Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, cool that he was knew that someday we would need like 240 characters for these laws. So he took us from the 613 down to the 10, down to two, two commandments to love by. Love God with your whole mind, your whole heart, your whole soul, and your whole strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. The word there in the Greek is os, and it is an equal sign. Love your neighbor exactly as you love yourself. Now, here's a problem. What happens when you don't love yourself? I want to submit that some of what's making our our time such a hot mess is we've got a whole bunch of people running around who don't love themselves at all. At all. And if they don't love themselves, how will they love their neighbors? I don't know if any of you read Mary Trump's book about her uncle, but this is a kid who grew up with a sociopath for a dad, she says, as a therapist, with a sick and absent mom. And when the father was around, he was absent. There was a big hole in the world where parenting should have happened. Do you think Mr. Trump loves himself? I digress. Let me come back. How difficult is it for many of us to love ourselves? I mean, let's be honest. We live in a context in which black lives don't matter. Women's lives don't matter. Spanish speaking people are encaged off the border. Asian people's lives are invisible because they're like the invisible so called minority. White people have given up their ethnicity to become white. Our economy crashes and and ebbs and flows, leaving a whole bunch of people unable to live out what they thought they were going to be live live out in the American dream. They ain't got no money. They can't send their kids to college. They feel cheated. They feel bereft. They traffic in a religion called white supremacy to make up for the hole in their souls. They don't love themselves. You've got people who don't love themselves walking around with rifles trying to stop protesters. You've got people who don't love themselves sexually harassing people in in the marketplace. You've got people who don't love themselves tweeting, Facebook posting, all kinds of hateful things because deep inside they loathe who they are. They're on the subways, not loving themselves. They're at work, not loving themselves. They're at the polls, not loving themselves. And you and I, if we're honest, we struggle also with the stories that have been told to us about who we are and what we are. We're too queer to love ourselves. We're too black to love ourselves. We're too female to love ourselves. We're too effeminate to love ourselves. We're not tall enough to love ourselves, skinny enough to love ourselves. We don't get the right calls back to the shows to love ourselves. We don't get promoted on our jobs fast enough to love ourselves. We are not held well enough to love ourselves. And here's what I'm saying to you, mental family. This is the year where we are going to be the love laboratory for each of us who has a broken heart because of something someone said or did because of some wound that we're still nurturing. We are gonna love the love into each other this year. We're gonna use this community as a place of experimentation and practice. We're gonna hold up a mirror for each other and say, actually, you are shining and I see you and you're fabulous. And yes, you made a mistake, but let's pick ourselves up and start over again. We are gonna bind ourselves with cords that cannot be broken. We are going to practice loving ourselves so we can love our neighbors. And we're going to do it because we are the just love army. We're going to do it because we all know this to be true, that no matter our skin tone, our mother was in Africa. And our African siblings understand this principle called Ubuntu. Can you say that? Ubuntu. Ubuntu literally means... A human is a human through other humans. A human is a human through other humans. And in the spirit of Ubuntu, when when the Zulu people greet each other, they say, Saobona. And when they say Saubona, they're saying, I see you. But actually, I did a little research on this and Saobona actually doesn't mean I see you, it means we see you. And who's the we, you might ask? My ancestors see you. My mama, Emma, my grandmama, Luella, my other grandmama, Mama Gert, my great uncle George, who worked on voting rights with Fannie Lou Hamer, all of my ancestors, when I say Salbona, I see you, all of us gathered as a great cloud of witnesses, we all see you. You know who else sees you? The Zulu people see the deities see you. So in my context, that's that's God the Father, Mother, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All of them see you when I see you. And in whatever cosmologies you live and breathe, your whole posse, ancestors, deities, the beloved ones, all see you and see the people you see. And the response back is, Sometimes, which means I exist, which is to say we see each other into existence. Me noticing you makes you you. Me seeing you're fabulous makes you fabulous. Me seeing you're trying hard makes you try hard. Me seeing you falling down and getting back up. Me forgiving you, you forgiving me. All of this creates the community that we are. Sometimes, sometimes the Zulu people say, Yabo. Yabo which means, I see you seeing me. Can you feel the transaction? I see you, you see me, I stick into you, love and promise and goodness, and you send it back my way. Yes, Jackie, I see you trying. Yes, Jackie, I see you struggling. Yes, Jackie, I see you living into your inner Jacqueline. <laughs> and I'm celebrating that. That's the transaction that all of those 613 codes get down to for Jesus is to love our neighbor as ourself. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to create a laboratory for learning how to love ourselves more. Now, let me just take a look for a second over here at the love your neighbor part. Now look, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, He wasn't saying love all the people who look like you, love all the people who like what you like. He wasn't saying love all your cousins and them. He was saying love all the people. In fact, that pesky Jesus said, you've heard it say, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. And he says, I'm saying, pray for your enemies. Now, praying for your enemies does not mean suddenly all of the evil, vile, hate-filled, racist, sexist, homophobic, white nationalist, xenophobic stuff that's happening in our world is okay. Love does not lie down and say that's okay. Love is a force, a powerful force that demands love, demands justice, demands righteousness, demands fairness. Jesus's love extended to the enemy but his was a temple tantrum throwing love whenever it needed to happen. Flipping over tables, turning things upside down, totally dismantling systems of oppression and destruction and saying, let's make a new reign of God right here on earth. That's the way we're gonna love our neighbors and our enemies. We are going to stand up on the law of love and demand that our nation look like the reign of God. We pray that prayer every Sunday and all kinds of times in between. It's a radical prayer that demands that the kingdom of God come on earth. So what it means to love our neighbor right now is to organize ourselves and to vote white supremacy up ticket and down, off the ticket to fire white supremacy. It means firing economic despair. It means firing transphobia. It means evicting the rising anti-Semitism that's happening around our globe. It means standing up for the rights of Muslims and Jews. It means standing up for our children. Love is fierce. And we don't have to be them to beat them. We can love the particularity of God's people and join God in the liberation of the world. And that means no time for injustice. I got some people tweeting me last week like, oh, that was so nice of the way you're praying for the president. I'm praying for the president to be stricken by love in his heart so that he transforms. And in the meantime, and in, the in between time, whether he changes or not, he has got to go. Make no mistake, our love of neighbor is political and it's personal. Let me come back to you for just a moment, friends, as I get ready to close. You are loved by a God who came all the way down, and liberated her people, heard their cries, parted the seas, opened the way so they could leave oppression, leave bondage, and walk to the promised land. That's what these commandments are about. I've liberated you for love. And this is now how you love one another into freedom. It is our holy calling. It is the work we must do together. It is how we be the Ubuntu people, and see each other into liberty and freedom and justice. It is what we celebrate when we come to the table today. And you, you have to work on loving you. So you can be an agent for change and liberation. And I promise, our staff We promise, our board promises to make this a love laboratory so you can be as shiny as you wanna be and fall down and get up and try again. And we will have your back. We got you. And we can do this together. Amen.